Hello, and welcome to the Pregnancy and Postnatal Podcast with me, your host, Tash Cullen. The aim of this podcast is to provide you with information in all aspects of maternity care and bring the experts to you so that you know what is available during your pregnancy and postnatal journey. There are so many experts out there that you may not have even thought about, so my mission is to increase your awareness and maybe help you to access care you hadn't thought about along the way. On this episode, I spoke to Yolanda. We covered a huge number of topics from becoming a new mum, mum guilt, how being a new mother impacts relationships, techniques you can use as a new mum, and all about matrescence in general. Many of you may not have heard about the term matrescence. I read a fantastic book about it a while ago and it really made so many things clear. New mums go through a huge life adjustment and it needs to be recognised and supported. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I loved recording it. So much useful information to listen to. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pregnancy and Postnatal podcast. And today I'm talking to Yolanda, who is a qualified social worker and counsellor. And we have got some really interesting topics to go through today. So Yolanda, if I can get you to introduce yourself, please. Hi there, my name's Yolanda Ferguson. I'm, as Natasha said, a qualified uh, social worker and counsellor. I've been working now for almost 17 years with a very varied client group, but more recently I've been working quite closely with some mums who are new mums. And I, it's an area that I feel really passionate about, being a mother to myself. So I think my interest in working with new mums was born from my own experience when I became a mum for the first time. It was a very rocky road, let's say, at times. And so that for me, I, I kind of bought, it, it, I got this new passion about wanting to support new mothers from that experience. I don't think I realised it at the time, but it became a bit of a dream to be able to, to work with new mums. And the other part of my interest is that I'm more recently a second mum. So I have a baby in the other room at the moment who is just 13 weeks old today. So it's been a completely different ride this time. But anyways, so my passion is there for working with new mums based on my own experience. Yeah. Firstly, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 13 weeks, that's crazy. But I think that's a really important point in that I think becoming a new mum is sold on Instagram and social media as being this beautiful moment where everything goes well. And I know that you do a lot of work with with new mums. What are the kind of hot topics that actually maybe aren't as realistic? You know, when you see things on social media or you hear stories, you know, we've got like Mm. the super mum image that everyone has. What Mm. are kind of some big things that mums tend to really struggle with in the first few weeks? I think one of the massive things is the physical change so there's the physical discomfort of actual recovery so I remember a a mum it's actually a mum friend said to me recently nobody ever really told me how preoccupied I might be with my own physical discomfort it was like she'd been thinking about she'd have to feed the baby she wanted to breastfeed the baby and all those things but never really realized how much physical pain she might actually herself be in so I think the physical change and discomfort and sometimes the trauma of labor and however our baby came into the world that I think is quite a hot topic because we talk a lot about 
what's going to happen, but we don't necessarily always think as much about what's happened, how we're going to feel after it's happened. So there's that. The big, big standout is relationships. So in the last groups that we did with new mums, one of the, the big things that people kept on coming back to is their relationship with their partner. And I realized after that, that actually we could probably dedicate more time to talking about managing and coping with the fact that our relationships have changed. I think of it as we go from being a couple to being a threesome. This new person is definitely in our relationship and it changes. So I think the relationships, the third would be the overwhelming loss of your own personal space, your own personal time, just not having any moments where of your day where somebody isn't needing you for something and to feel okay about trying to carve that time out for yourself. The enormous guilt that mothers feel about like actually needing space for themselves I think that is another thing that comes up quite a lot. I don't I think it's a difficult until you're in that headspace. It is so hard to explain to somebody who is currently pregnant expecting their first child. It is so hard for them to be able to rationally understand that that is going to be difficult because we think of course it's going to be hard. My baby's I'm going to have a baby. The baby will need me. But when you're sleep deprived and you're tired, and you're feeling like you're guilty because you want to have caffeine or you feel guilty to have a glass of wine with your dinner, whatever it is that you are feeling you, you would usually do for yourself, it's, there's this constant sense of questioning, can I do that? Is it okay? And so that builds and it becomes overwhelming because this is not one day and then we get a break from it. This is overwhelming because it's constant. So a word that often comes up is relentless that new motherhood and new parenthood can feel relentless because there is is little break. And depending on how a couple choose to care for their new baby, often it is the mother that predominantly feels like they don't get a break because they're constantly on standby for breastfeeding. And if that's the only way that it's being done, then it does fall to the mother and she struggles to get a break. So I think it's that relentless feeling of, I'm not getting any space for myself. We know it's coming, but once we're in it, it is no going back. Yeah, it's um, Groundhog Day, isn't it? Same yeah. thing every day. <laughs> every yes. So just talking to that, I know that you have heard, and I've also heard the word, and but maybe other mums haven't, about this word matrescence and mm. what that is. And it's something which I think is such a great term to kind of almost compact everything about motherhood and try to understand it in a little bit of a better way I guess mm, yeah um, and when I, I remember hearing about it and listening to some podcasts and, and reading this great book as well about matrescence and just thinking this is exactly what I'm feeling so I was just yeah. wondering if you could talk to that and say kind of explain what that is and and how that can really help a mum to understand maybe that loss of identity and what's really going on in those first few years yeah absolutely I actually, I came across the term matrescence just by chance, stumbled across a TED talk by Alexandra Sachs. She's an American psychiatrist and there's this fantastic TED talk of, I think it's just around six minutes, which I do love to show to new mums. And she really, for me, it's, it's a really great way to capture it. She compares matrescence to the concept of adolescence and in adolescence, our bodies change 
we have hormone surges that we can't control, our moods are affected, we go through this time in our lives where we don't really know who we are and we are changing and it's a time where we often are sort of seeking a new identity and trying to make sense of like I'm changing and who am I going to be as I change and it's unsettling it can be really difficult to go through that phase of adolescence and when we're pregnant and then our babies are born during that period of time in our lives our bodies also, like during adolescence, our bodies are changing. We have hormone surges. There's, it's like some greater force has taken over our body and is changing our appearance and the sensations that we have. Um, so physically, we're changing and emotionally and mentally, we are also starting to change. And so when the baby is born, I like how in this TED talk, she talks about how Every time a baby is born, like a new mother is born as well. I think that's how she she terms it. And I quite like that idea because once that baby is born, we change. We don't have to completely change, but it can feel like a complete overnight change of the world that we were used to. So there's this kind of comparison to adolescence. And I think the point that Alexandra Sachs also makes is that the world recognizes adolescence as the significant period of time in our lives. It is completely normalized, understood, and almost accepted that when we go through adolescence, we're going through change and that can be tough. And then matrescence, it is the same. It's, it's a massive change in our lives. Things are going to be different and it's a challenge. But we don't necessarily look at new motherhood in the same way that we do often look at adolescence. You don't see pictures of, if you had to like look at social media or you had to Google for images of adolescence, you might come across like a scowling teenager or you might come across like somebody looking moody or like an argument between like, kids or adolescents and their parent or something that doesn't that it doesn't necessarily always convey like this is a smooth ride but if you google new motherhood then like you've mentioned you know we get the social media iconic images of like these perfect beautiful moments of a mother with her baby and it's it's very um photoshopped and everybody looks really precious and it's almost like a sacred kind of image that we often kind of conjure up when we think about new motherhood but matrescence captures the fact like when we give it a name and we say hang on this is a time of change this is a time of challenge and things are going to be a bit rocky at times I think it really gives some power or some some allowance to the fact that new motherhood is it's a journey of different experiences it's not just good it's not just tough it is something a lot of the time in between all of those but we've got to recognize that it isn't just the good there is this other challenge to it and I think when we um, talk about matrescence we give a space to recognize that we are on a transition when we enter motherhood yeah, I think it's important that new mothers have a chance to realize that this is a recognized phase of life. It's not a, it's a one moment in time and I bounce back. It is a transition and it's a good, I'd say, like, I think, you know, probably the first year of new motherhood is 
it's a massive journey. You know, we grow that baby for nine months. And once once the baby's in the world, that, that journey to, to getting them to their first birthday can come with so much um, challenge and so many highs and so many lows. And I think yeah. matrescence is the time that we're living through when we are doing that journey with our babies. Yeah, and I wish that mums would, well, I think, I think that things are getting better in the sense that mums are talking more about being a new mum is hard. You know, I think in, yeah. especially when my mum would have been having us, I think that mums wouldn't have complained so much or they had to give off yeah. this image of coping well and, and doing okay. But I do feel like now in some ways social media can help because I remember when I was having, I had my kids in the UK and there yeah. was, um, there were a couple of mums who would always kind of joke about how hard being a mum was and that, you know, they were a terrible mum because they were serving fish and chips for supper and it was yeah. just a standard joke. And, and people started to talk about actually, this is tough. And I started to open yeah. up to my friends and say, is anyone else's kids being really difficult today? Because I'm finding this really hard. But it's yeah. almost like at the same time, we all strive to this super mum image of, I can't let mm. on how hard I'm finding it because then yeah. I might be perceived as a bad mum. So yeah. it's hard, isn't it? And it's, yeah. Sorry. I think like the super mum image is definitely like, it's, it's a complete myth you know it's it's not real nobody can when you think about it i when people talk about supermum i kind of feel that there is this practical thing that we should consider if we could compare a supermum so imagine if you were a pretty decent um jogger like you know you ran you know you, you run long distance and you're pretty decent at it and you you can do a 10k and neatly under an hour and so you're pretty decent and then overnight, someone says to you, okay, now I want you to run 25K and I want you to do it faster than how you could run the 10K. Um, and I want you to do it without coffee and being tired. And maybe also just pick up maybe about sort of six kgs overnight, run further, run faster and do it under harder circumstances. That to me is kind of like in a way when we overnight become a new mother, we are physically and mentally more challenged. But yet, we somehow then suddenly prescribe this idea, I must do it as a super mom, and I need to be great at everything. It's like the challenge of I'm sleep deprived. I am overwhelmed by like, I'm trying to figure out how to feed a baby. I'm trying to figure out how to do this new job. But I have this big pressure of like having to do it really well. The same way I couldn't physically overnight run further and faster. I can't, as a new parent overnight, suddenly perform at this optimum level. You know, it's not practically or emotionally and mentally possible but yet we do have this kind of pressure that we feel like we have to do everything kind of perfectly I think new motherhood for someone who tend tends towards perfectionism is like it's a rocky road because it's impossible to be a perfectionist when you're learning something new for the first time or it's pos impossible to be perfect at it so I think this idea that we are able to be super moms I think is definitely a myth um, the one thing that I would say, as much as I, I have a, a sense that, that mums struggle at times to be honest about the challenge that they're experiencing, and as much as sometimes it does feel like social media and the world 
doesn't necessarily make a space for that always. One thing that I have realized the second time becoming a mum is there is an increase in people being willing and open to talk about these challenges. But what I found amazing was how many mums have also said to me, oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Oh, it's really bad. Oh, you're going to be really tired, aren't you? There was a mum that I met down at the pool one day um, in our condo, and she really, this mum that I came across, she spoke to me about when I was pregnant, sorry, just before the baby was born, she really like honed in on like how hard it's going to be and how tough it is to be sleep deprived when you already have one kid. And there were so many points that she was making that I was standing there and I was thinking, oh my word, I am going to completely implode when this baby arrives into the world. And so she was so honest about the challenges that it it almost overwhelmed me. Or And so when I see this mother now, I find myself kind of holding back a bit, you know, and, and kind of like, I'm weirdly also not trying, I'm almost like reducing or minimizing the extent to which like, I might also be okay. Like, oh, it's, it's not actually been that bad. I kind of almost don't have the heart to say that no, it's not quite as tough as you're it's, saying. You're so right, because um, exactly, it goes the other way as well. Right? It's, I'm just thinking of other examples of this. The, the mum in the group whose kid is sleeping through the night and doesn't have, yes. I have, doesn't want to say it because they're just like, everyone will hate me. Or <laughs> a mum that's got a, ba- a, a baby with reflux and then another one who doesn't. And then they're just sat there like, oh, my baby doesn't have these issues. And you, you, yeah. it does go both ways, right? You go for the mums who don't say or want to say how hard it is. But then at the same time, it's just yep. the factor that if everything's going well, you also don't want to say how yes. you're finding it. <laughs> yes. It's so, and, and the thing is, it's, we, we get, I, I, I think now the second time around, I think what I've also come across is this, I had an assumption that it was going to be the same as the first time. So I, I had poor milk production the first time. So I wasn't able to exclusively breastfeed my first child. And we had to rely on formula to top up. And so with the second one coming, we went out, we've got, we bought a tin of formula. We went and got a perfect prep machine to be able to, you know, make up bottles easily in the middle of the, you know, I kind of kitted myself out for it. And I sit here now with, like admittedly a, a freezer that's got milk supply. I could go on holiday now and if I was allowed to fly and um, somebody could stay for a week with the baby and they'd have enough milk because of, of my, so this, and I can remember times where I was in tears with my first, you know, just sitting there feeling so helpless about like, why can't I just get more milk out, you know, pumping away and wishing for more. And this time I'm like, I don't really know how to control this. And it's, it's a completely different experience. And I think we assume that our bodies and our experiences the second time, sometimes we assume it's going to be the same and it's not necessarily the case. And so I have found myself at times definitely kind of surprised the the expectations that maybe I had of how hard it might be or the, the impressions that other people have of how hard I must be finding it. It's not necessarily always been the same. And I, I do sometimes find myself struggling to know how to respond in those moments. So I think if I could have a magic wand for how people talk to new mums, 
I wish it could be that we all understand there is this phase of matrescence and we will in matrescence have good days and we will have not so good days. Whilst it's not all joyful and we shouldn't maybe prescribe things to be this iconic, wonderful image of new motherhood, equally, we don't necessarily have to also say everything's going to be tough and everything's going to be hard because that can, especially for a new parent who's yet to become a mum or a new parent, they, they might be overwhelmed by that and it might not help them. I think that middle road of, hey, you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. Like, and that's pretty normal. That is standard. So when you're having those bad days, like just remember there's good days that are coming. And when you're having your good days, have them just enjoy them because I remember my first time around the the good days like I I kind of I couldn't appreciate them so much because I constantly thought but is this now is this going to be my new experience can this now just stay this way or is tomorrow going to be better tonight will it be bad sleep again like can someone just give me a rule book or some kind of looking glass into the future so I can tell tonight I know I'm going to be up five times because then I at least know it's coming yeah I think if we could have a magic wand we would just give people uh, the right to know or, or the this realistic impression that it's not just good and it's not just bad it's something in the middle yeah. and when we talk to people we don't impose those impressions on them um so we allow them to be their authentic genuine selves yeah but, yeah and just You'd... open up and say i'm finding today really tough but yeah and also like you know that brilliant saying about parenthood it's, it's just a phase everything is a phase you know, that this time where they're not sleeping and they're going through a sleep regression, it will end and it will get easier yeah. and it will all just, it will pass, but it can be really hard when you're in it Yeah. and going through that. Yeah. And I guess another thing that I think, as you touched on earlier as well in the intro, was about finding things hard is obviously this whole relationship change because mm. you've now got this third person within your relationship and you've also then got sleep deprivation and hormones and I know that you had a group of new mums and you, they talked a lot about their relationships what were some of the kind of common themes about relationships that mums were finding hard that maybe if anyone's listening into they're like yep that's definitely happened to me and okay this is something which is quite common and that's kind of reassuring for them yeah I, I think what can happen in the relationship and the thing that kind of comes up a lot is we suddenly see our partner as a different version of themselves so we've always known them you know we've been each other's number one up until the point that our baby is born and there is this sort of emotional displacement that kind of happens when the baby enters the relationship because that's when you start to go from a twosome to a threesome there's a natural and there can be these beautiful moments where you and your partner are looking at your beautiful new baby amazed that look we've created this beautiful little creature and there are these bonding moments and connectedness that sometimes we've never experienced together and it's like this new sort of high in this beautiful moment and then there's other times where it's the complete opposite and it's like the middle of the night 
and you as the new mother is, you know, you might still even be in the hospital, you know, and you, you're there desperately trying to like, how do I get this baby to latch on? And oh my word, it's so uncomfortable and I'm in pain and I'm discomfort. And depending on how your labor or if you've had a C-section, your body's pain, you know, and you're trying to find a position that you can tolerate and trying to get the baby on. And, you know, there might be a midwife there or a nurse who's kind of like also in there trying to like get the baby on. And, you know, in the middle of those moments, that mother can feel quite isolated within her own relationship because it feels like I carry the sole responsibility in these moments and my partner is perhaps at home fast asleep in bed or I'm going through this kind of like experience in another room of our apartment while somebody else, you know, while your partner is sleeping. And those moments can really change how we feel. So as much as we can have this new connectedness, we also have a new separateness at times and I think of it as displacement where we have to kind of emotionally go you were right here in front of me and I you were my main most important person my first thought and my last thought but right now I kind of have to put you to the side because there's this new human that's entered our lives and right now they're so vulnerable they're reliant on us for absolutely everything we've got to meet their needs and their needs come first now and so we emotionally have to start to get used to our partner not responding to our needs first and foremost and sometimes it's beautiful sometimes you know as a mother I can stand there and look at my husband responding to our baby with such warmth and such love and and kind of this you know you feel like you're glowing on the inside because it's this beautiful image of my husband with his little baby girl and you know and it's so beautiful but if there's another moment of my day where I'm Maybe I feel sleep deprived. Maybe I feel stressed by something else that's going on. And I just need him to somehow connect with me. Or I need, I have this urge to, I need to share something. I need to say something. But he is like wrapped up in daddy mode and with the baby, you know, then there's moments where you can feel this genuine sense of like, can you not just like, just look at me, just make some eye contact and let like I need you to feel what I'm feeling right now to feel okay and and they're not emotionally available to you in those moments and that likewise the other way around you know our our partners experience us in a very different way you know sometimes the mother changes perhaps overnight more quickly so the person the people that we used to each other being we slowly start to be different and so we experience our partner in a different frame of mind in a different mindset in a different living out a new responsibility the person as a partner is a different person as a parent you know they different labels they have different roles and different responsibilities and so we have to go through this experience of getting used to each other being a new person it's like i married this guy but now this guy is sometimes this other guy and getting through that acceptance and and understanding is it can be overwhelming for people at times so sorry i think that is the one point that definitely comes up your person becomes a different person but another thing that comes up is the sort of you might wholeheartedly trust your partner and feel content that they are consistently they've been the person that you know them to be and now suddenly you need to trust them 
in a different way. So when you're the mum looking after your new baby and then it's like, oh, dad's going to change that nappy now. Is he putting it on the way that I would do it? Is that flap? No, no, he's, oh, he's putting the Velcro low or not the Velcro, the sticky strip. And it's, oh, he's put it down too low. or Oh, no, it's too high. Oh, no, that's going to come loose. And this inner voice in your head starts to take over. And more often than not, when the voice is there, it's there because it's making some sort of judgmental sound about what you're observing your partner do with your baby. And the, the difficulty and the challenge for new mums who are the predominantly primary carer is that they've often got things sussed, you know, they've gone through the minutia detail of figuring out exactly how to put the nappy on or where to position those sticky strips so that you're less likely to get a leak. Or you know that when I did it this way, my baby always seems to be uncomfortable or, or moan. So we just got to do it a little bit this way and then it's all going to be fine. And so we can really get so focused on the minute detail of little things and so when our partners like breeze in to do it themselves you know we they're like watching and almost like you know hyperventilating inwardly this is a big thing that kind of comes up for new mums this idea that I have to be able to trust my partner to do it their way and I'm married to this idea that my way is the only way that will work And that can be so hard to let go of. And when we prescribe our purpose in life and my soul, like my identity and my self-worth is now attached to the idea that I have to be a good mother for this baby. I don't mean to trivialize or to to sound too (laughs) out there, but something like my baby's nappy doesn't leak can actually be the one thing in a mother's day that feels like I'm okay, like like I got through this day, like I need one thing to go right to be able to tolerate that this is my new life right now. Like I've gone maybe from my big corporate job, I've gone from all my big responsibilities to I'm at home every day looking after this baby. Things like the nappy didn't leak or the baby didn't have a half an hour long cry today or I don't know, it, you know, I didn't miss my breast milk when yeah. I was pumping. It didn't spill. You know, little things become really amplified during these times and during matrescence, these things become really important to us. And so when our partners kind of take over, it can be really hard to let go of that because it's like, it's not just, are you going to do it right? Are you going to, to change the way that I've found meaning and purpose? And it can be really overwhelming. So one new mum that I worked with, I loved how when we spoke about all of these things and the importance of if we want, because that new mother that is so caring about those smaller things or those the detail of things, I would put money on it that most of them desperately want their child or their new baby to have a brilliant relationship with their father or their their other parent they want their partner to be bonded with the baby to have to feel confident and to be a real meaningful presence in their baby's life but yet there's also this difficulty of being able to to let that grow naturally 
I mean, what that sounds like to me is that, and I noticed this a lot with our women now, and especially if you have come from like a corporate background or a job where you're managing people and managing teams. And a lot of our new mums will say, I feel like I've lost control. And so yeah. the whole, you know, watching how a nappy's changing or making the water for the nappy change perfect or any of this is, is their way of still controlling that experience or controlling something. Um, yeah. And then what I've noticed though is exactly like you've said, what happens is, is that the, you keep on t- saying that to the father and the father then just thinks, well, I'm obviously not doing it right. So then they lose confidence exactly. and then not helping. And then you have a mother that then resents their partner because they don't do anything. But yeah. actually with something really simple, like you just criticize the way they change the nappy. And this yeah. is what we, you know, we try and teach in our prenatal classes. And I always say to the mums, you know, mums, you, you need to let the dads parent how they want to parent unless they're going to kill your child, let them explore yeah. and discover for themselves because they, you know, it doesn't, does it matter if the nappy goes a little bit lower than you did it? Or does it matter mm. that the water's cool and you use warm water? You know, in the whole scheme of things, if that's going to help their relationship with their child grow, then actually yeah. just almost walk out of the room and just don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. It is so hard. The, but, the, you know, the interesting, just to pick up on that point, I think the really interesting thing is, we as society generally accepts that children like babies who grow into toddlers and you know as they grow generally we all seem to accept that they learn through their mistakes so when they learn that if they they're not yet able to run that fast so they fall over and it's like okay it's not you know they might get upset and we're there to soothe them and we comfort them but there's this principle that we learn through our mistakes and so the interesting thing about new parenthood is that sometimes it's the mum who's learning through her mistakes because she's often the one you know the primary caregiver let's say is the one who first realizes oh that nappy isn't quite on the right way and so they're the one who kind of picks up on that perhaps first But then the interesting thing is as much as we want to encourage that bonding with our partner and the baby, we don't allow them sometimes to learn in the way that we naturally learn. And that is through making mistakes. And, you know, it it can go two ways, one of two ways. We can either constantly like helicopter parent our partner and constantly be hovering around. Don't do it that way. Do this. I told you last time, you know, and so we're shaming them. We're making them feel inadequate and insecure. And then eventually they kind of give up, you know, so there's that way. Or there's the way where we stand there, we grit our teeth. Maybe we have to leave the room just to kind of like not witness it and just go take some deep breaths somewhere else. And soon if that doesn't go well, they very quickly will realize and they'll do it differently but they will learn organically and naturally through their own experience and they will appreciate us more for letting them learn that way I think but also sometimes we might be surprised and they do it better dads find are really good and better than mums at some things so for example if you've got a baby that's really losing the plot actually dads are super good at settling babies because they don't smell of milk and so yeah. getting to be swaddled and then you know often you hear a, a, a mum saying oh you know as soon as my baby goes to someone else they start to settle or anything I'm just like actually yeah just 
just ask, you know, you, some, I mean, I guess that's the thing, right? It's asking for help. And I think yeah. a lot of mums don't want to ask for help because it almost, I don't know whether that comes back to them feeling like I'm not good enough as a mother if I can't yeah. help my child or if yeah. I can't do it on my own, then that makes yeah. me a, a terrible parent. Absolutely. And yeah. and yeah, then you come in with the whole mum guilt and everything as well. Yeah. It's, it's... And it, it came up, it came up last week in, in the talk that one of the mums was talking a little bit about this idea of when we are trying to trust our partner to do their part, or when we ask for help from our partner, there is this moment where we might feel, if I can't soothe the baby and they can, I've somehow failed. Those are the moments where if we could stop, if we could just pause time, the thing that can really help us as mums or as any parent is to reframe that set of circumstances. Because in that moment, I can either go down the route of, I'm really crap at this and I'm failing at being able to soothe my baby. And now their dad or the my partner is is better at it. And I'm going to walk away feeling like a failure because what kind of mother am I that I can't soothe my own baby? Or we can stop and we can look at that same situation and realize, hey, I'm a great mother because right now I know the best person to soothe my baby is my partner. And by letting my partner do that, I am allowing my baby to feel less stress more quickly. And it's it's supportive of my new baby. So, But if I insist on carrying on, I will become more frustrated and stressed and my baby will become more upset and heightened in their, their upset of whatever they're upset about. You know, So by giving that responsibility over to the person who's best placed to meet my baby's needs, I am meeting my baby's needs. And that makes me a good mom. Yeah. You know, or that, you know, that makes me good in that moment. And I feel that we don't often allow ourselves to see it from that perspective. So I think reframing is really important in those moments. But there's one last thing I would say about relationships. And this is something that does come up a lot to the point of how relationships change. The, the one thing that I really urge mothers not to do is to thank their partner for helping or to thank their partner for babysitting. We all are responsible for bringing our babies into the world or for having our babies. It is a choice that we make together. We do that together. Our partner is responsible, as much responsible for their baby as we are. And when we start to say, oh, thanks for helping, the underlying sense is this is actually my responsibility solely. And so anything that you do, you are helping me to do my job. And that isn't actually the case. If the the best way that we can really handle those situations is if, to show if we don't recognize gratitude, then I think also we're not helping our relationship. So to me, don't thank your partner for babysitting or for helping you. Thank your partner for realizing, hey, this was such a helpful moment to step in. Or I it really helps me when you recognize my needs. You know, I love how you did that. I think it's so lovely when I see you kind of be able to step in and give me a free moment when I need it. And it 
you know, I feel like we'd working great as a team together. Thanks for that. Or, you know, however it feels natural or how it, whatever is natural to that person, recognize I thank you, partner, for being in this with me. I'm not thanking you for helping me do this job that suddenly is mine and not yours. Because it's it when we when we say thank you to our partners for helping or for babysitting, we are reinforcing this concept or this idea that it is one partner's responsibility. And so okay. teamwork is is kind of it slowly eroded away. And this idea, and then we surprise ourselves. We surprise by why does it feel like it's my job and not theirs? But if we thank them for helping us with our job, we are we are reinforcing this concept, you know, and mm. then when they respond in that way, do you need help? You know, if somebody says that to me or if my partner was to say it to me, I, I, I almost resent it. To them, they're then shocked. It's like, but I'm trying to help you. How, how can you be pissed off with me when I, I'm here trying to help you? But then my inner dialogue is, but this isn't helping me. Like, you know, it, it's just part of what you're supposed to be doing you know it's for me as well if someone like if my partner says to me um can I help you with that to me that just triggers my inner dialogue of or oh, you're not good enough to do this yes so yeah and that immediately puts me and my defenses up anyway and then we end up mm. being like oh god okay this is a mess <laughs> yes yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we just end up feeling like, what you think I can't do this properly by myself? You know, and and right in that moment, actually, I wasn't coping so great by myself, and I could do with another pair of hands. But it's it's that kind of when the mantra is, it's your job, and they're there to help. They like the assistant. We need to have two managers. We don't need to have one manager and one assistant. You know, I think it's yeah. Yeah, that's such that is such an important point. I think. I reckon every listener will be like, oh, yeah, I do do that. I do thank them for their help. And you think that you're just being kind by you know, saying thank you. And I guess as well, that responsibility will fall a lot on the mothers because initially mums will be on maternity leave. And so yeah. and therefore, you know, they would be the sole care provider. So, yeah, it is. It is interesting. that concept. And, it's, and it is it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to try and encourage people to do, because in the moment, when somebody is, you know, if you are in this moment right now, I took on the responsibility to change this nappy. And goodness me, like, you know, when you have a massive punami and suddenly, you know, it was just going to be me changing a nappy. But then suddenly there's poo everywhere and it's a nightmare. You know, it's a big mess. You know, in that moment when that person comes into they are coming to help you. You know, so there's a natural instinct to say, oh, thanks for helping out. You know, it is tricky to kind of de to recondition ourselves into a different way of talking because I imagine there'd be many people listening that we say, well, what else am I supposed to say other than thank you? Sometimes maybe what it is is in the moment to just let play out what each person is doing. And it's afterwards, sometimes just saying something like, geez, we worked well as a team there, didn't we? Like, that was great that's that's the way that we kind of are recognizing and positively reinforcing behavior you know if if my eldest daughter i have an expectation that she has to say tidy something up that she's played with if i say thank you for doing it on one hand yes there's that first level it's it's good manners and it's it's a nice way of being but what i'm reinforcing is that it's 
it's something special that she's done. When I thank her, it's kind of like setting the scene that she's done me a favor, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I say to her, I really like how you did that so nicely, or I really like how you did it without me having to ask you. It's it's reinforcing for you. you've done something good, you've done something great, but it's it's part of what you need to do anyways. My my gratitude is that I didn't have to nag you to do it. You know, and, and I think the same way that we are with our kids sometimes. So it's a bit bad to say it that way. But, you know, it's how we kind of need to relate to each other as we're both learning as parents. You know, like, wow, we did so good there together. It's not like I have to thank you because I'm somehow subordinate or you're more senior and you're going to come out and kind of assist me. It's actually like as a manager, like if we're both managers, we're going to be like almost like, hey, good job. Like you, that, that was great. We did that well together, didn't we? Or that went well. You know, that kind of gives the boost that we need to give. And there's a gratitude within that. Right? I thank you for being who you are right now. Like if you weren't you right now, this would have been tougher. I know it's, it feels yeah. sometimes it seems so obvious. And then when you think about it from the perspective of being in the moment, it can be um, complicated. I would just never want anybody listening to this to think that what I'm advocating is don't say don't show gratitude because I absolutely believe we need to show each other gratitude for yeah. the sake of our relationships and for for living a happy life. Yeah, it's just reframing the way that it's given and delivered. Exactly. And so yeah. that it's not you are asking or thanking for a favor. It's stepping up and being equal partners in there in your parenting. Yeah. So I know a lot of mums' internal dialogues are quite shaming on themselves and, and that, you know, that mum guilt comes out a lot. So mm. if you do have a mum who who does have any of those thought processes, which I yeah. know almost everyone will have at some yeah. point, yeah. what are some ways in which we can help process that and try and come out of it as it was? I know mm. a, a while ago I heard about this thing about don't should on yourself. So you think to yourself oh I, sh- I should really be going home to see my kid but I would really like to go to the gym but I actually know I should probably be at home with the child mm. that is bringing up that mum guilt so one mm. of the things I consciously try and do now is is not say I should you know it's I could do this but actually I would really like to yeah. go to the gym for my self-care so what are some kind of coping mechanisms as it were for yeah. new parents you know when it comes to the, I feel like there's two routes to take on that and in therapy sessions, what I've realized is that don't shit on yourself, like for new mothers or for mothers at all. It's actually, it's so much bigger in that everyone in society does it. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's a issue or it's a, it's a, it's a challenge we all face as humans, I think. And it's exacerbated or it can do more harm to us, especially when we're going through our matrices and we are learning to be new parents. So when it comes up in counseling or in therapy sessions, what I often do is I work with clients to help them understand what to recognize what their unhelpful thinking styles are. So if anybody was to Google unhelpful thinking styles or another way it's it's known as is cognitive bias what it will do is it can it I really urge anybody who struggles with the shoulds to actually google those terms 
and look at what are the common cognitive biases? What are the, co- because they are unhelpful thinking styles. They are the, I should do it this way. I should have known better. I should have been like this. But it's also things like black and white thinking, where it's all good or it's all bad. Because we often in parenthood and new motherhood, we struggle to enjoy things because we're so stuck on like, it needs to either be good or it's bad. You know, it can't be something in the middle because most things are something in the middle. So there's these ways that we frame things or think about things that can be actually quite unhelpful to us. So from a deeper perspective, I would almost say, I would encourage people to pay some, to if they have the luxury of a little bit of time to look at it and they're really interested in it, Google cognitive bias or unhelpful thinking styles and start to look through which are the ones that I commonly do for myself. So there's that. There is like a more detailed way to go about it. and if you realize I can't let these things go like I I'm, I'm more aware of them but I still keep doing them and I'm consistently berating myself internally speaking to a counselor can really help and kind of separate out what is where's this coming from because underneath there's a whole host of reasons why we go down that route so if we really struggle with it and we struggle to break those habits, there's ways that you can kind of help yourself through that. From a different perspective, the other thing is when I talk to new mums about mother guilt and I like to, I love Brene Brown and I often go back to some of the work that she's done and share some clips of um, talks that she's done. And what I learned from, from Brene Brown is mother guilt is attached to its guilt self-talk. So our inner self-talk, the way we talk to ourselves, we're imagining, we guilt ourselves. But we can't just look at that guilt in isolation because it doesn't stop there. We guilt ourselves into, oh, I'm not good enough, never get that right, I didn't do the phone. What I learned from Brene Brown is that after that comes the shame self-talk. So it doesn't just stop with, oh, mother guilt is a thing on its own. Mother guilt leads us to then shame ourselves. And that's when we label ourselves. So my mother guilt self-talk might be, oh, I just can't see the baby. I can't seem to do anything right. No matter what I do, she continues to cry or I just can't get enough milk or I'm just not really good at breastfeeding. So I just can't get the latch right. You know, so I'm guilting myself. I must be doing something wrong. What's wrong with me? You know, those questions start to then evolve into, I'm such a crap mother. I'm so useless at this. And when the, it's almost like the conclusion or the, the nasty cherry on the top, it often becomes a label. I'm useless. I'm pathetic at this. I'm so crap. It's like the defining label that we kind of come to a conclusion about. And so when we experience that mother guilt and it leads to us then shaming ourselves with this negativity and concluding something bad about ourselves, we can get in a really negative headspace so the thing that I feel and again I've learned a lot about this through Brene Brown's work is it's self-compassion when we can change that dialogue and if we can free ourselves from the the thinking that is attached to the guilt I gave an example to new mothers about Okay, so you're in the situation where your baby isn't, you know, they've had the immunization, they're upset, they're distressed, and you can't seem to soothe them and comfort them. So that's your situation. So your self-talk might end up being, 
oh, it doesn't matter what I do, nothing changes. It's not, it's not getting any best. I've tried everything. I'm trying to do, I can't seem to do anything right. No matter what I do, this just is not working. That can be our guilt self-talk. And that then leads to, geez, I'm so crap at this. I'm just, like, I'm useless as a mother. It doesn't matter what I do, nothing works. I'm useless. And so they kind of shame ourselves with this negative label. But the exact same scenario could be that, yes, my baby's had the immunization. Yes, they're unsettled and they're not doing very, they're not having a great day. So they're crying a lot and they're not their usual self. So if my, instead of having that guilt self-talk, if I could in that moment say to myself, wow, this is a tough day. Like this baby is crying today and this is not going very well. This is a difficult day for us. I know they're going to be upset and I know why they are upset. It is a, a logical and it's it's a, a reasonable response to them not feeling well. When I don't feel well, I'm a bit cranky and I'm not that sociable. So my baby doesn't feel well. They're going to be a bit upset. They can't tell me with their words. So they're going to tell me with their cry that they're not feeling so great today. And so it's okay, baby, that you don't feel so good today. And I'm just going to sit with you through this and it's going to be tough and we're going to cry together maybe and it's not going to feel good, but this is the day that we're going to have today. And it's going to be one of those days that we know are not the easy days. And it's going to be tough, but we'll get through it together. And then maybe instead of shaming myself, I might at the end of that day or in that moment go, you know what, this is tough, but I'm doing my best. And that right now is great. Like being able to be with you when you're this upset, just sitting here with you, maybe having a little tear because I feel so sad for you. That's great. That's me being with you. I'm present and I'm connected to you and we're going to get through this together. We're going into war together and we're in it. And, you know, I think that to me is then a way that we can talk to ourselves. So it's like, it's a reflection of reality. I'm not a bad mother because my baby's crying. Like I need to also let my baby have the right to cry because it's not feeling well. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's hard. And we don't want to see our babies cry because it feels like they're in pain. Because if I cry, I'm in pain. You know, but yes, they might not feel comfortable, but it's also the only way of communicating with us. And so we've got to also sometimes like, you know, if we can tolerate that moment and recognize it for what it is in all its rawness and all its its painful reality, then actually we can be so much kinder to ourselves. Yeah. It's not about our own deficit. It's about the fact that this is a difficult thing to go through. If somebody, I have to go and have a root canal done and I'm avoiding it so much, but you know, the pain and the discomfort of something like that we don't look forward to it. And I know that afterwards, I'm not going to be comfortable and I'm not going to enjoy the process. But that's a completely rational thing. Nobody says to me after a root canal, you know, you should come out being breezy and happy and um, bright about it. You know, there's no expectation that it has to be a positive, happy thing. You know, and so when our babies are not feeling well, it's completely rational that it's not a positive, happy thing, you know, yeah. and just sitting with them through that makes us great. You know, it, it does, it makes us human and kind and present parents. And that That's to me. Really something I have to remind myself of, even, you know, that, that principle as your kids get older, that 
I think as as adults, for some reason, we just expect children to be happy all the time. And mm. so, you know, if they have a tantrum or they're angry or they're sad. It's almost like we, you know, we struggle with that because we're like, well, why are you angry? Why are you sad? And you expect children yeah. to be happy all the time. And a lot of my learning with my kids has been actually, no, I have bad days. I have days when I'm angry. I have days when I'm sad and they're human and they have emotions too. And yeah. it's okay that if they're angry and it's okay if they're sad and it's yeah. sitting with them and, and helping them process that and labeling it for them is is much more helpful than kind of being like, well, snap out of that. Well, don't be angry or don't cry. Um, because yeah. then just kind of expecting them to be happy all the time, which they're not. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and then they, you know, they start to build unreasonable expectations of themselves. And I, I catch myself doing this with my daughter all the time because to me, when my eldest, when she is upset about something, like she's not, she's at an age where she's learning to self-regulate. And it's, it's taken me a long time. And I, I mean, it's not that I'm there yet. I, it's an everyday battle for me to have to accept that she cannot yet self-regulate her emotions. When I expect her to behave like an adult, we, are both, we both end up upset in the end. But if I can put some boundaries around, like, yes, okay, I know you're upset because I've said it's time to go to bed and you don't want to go to bed yet. You want to play or you want to do whatever you're doing. It's okay that you don't like that, but the boundary is it's not okay to shout at me or it's not okay to want to hit someone. You know, you can be angry, but this is this is the boundaries around how we manage our anger. This is okay and this is not okay. And I feel that, you know, if we could apply the same principles to ourselves, like in that immunization moment, it's like, yeah, this is tough, okay? So it's okay to feel like it's tough. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel distressed but what we're not going to do is tell ourselves that because we feel that way we're bad exactly and and it's so it's tolerate the feeling make the feeling okay but have a boundary with how you then treat yourself because that's what we want for our children I'll tolerate that you feel this way it's a normal way to feel but this is what you can't do to yourself or the people around you when you're feeling that way but and find help them find what they can do to mm. to tolerate and get through that feeling. If we apply the same principles to ourselves, it's just, you know, we 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 will be so much happier and we will have happier kids. So much easier said than done. But <laughs> and but this is the thing. I, I just have to say this: any of this stuff, whatever we've spoken about today, it all requires a bit of effort from us individually as a person whether it's how we are with our partner ourselves our babies but nobody's going to get it right all the time like I feel every single day is a new day for me to try and get it right and I don't and most people don't but the repair is part of the process where we are are still getting it right because it's normal to not get it right all the time. But when we then have an opportunity to try and repair that moment. So when I do get frustrated with my daughter and I say to her, I don't know, whatever it might be, like, and I don't want you to be angry about it or we're not going to be angry about it. If I catch myself saying something like that, because in that moment, I don't have the headspace to tolerate your anger. So I'm telling you, you cannot be angry because I can't cope with it. When I realize oh, wait, that's about me, I can go back and I can repair. And I can say to her, do you know what? Actually, I was wrong. It's okay to feel how you're feeling. 
Yeah. That's okay. Sometimes yeah. I feel that way too. I was feeling that way when I said that to you. I think that's a huge thing for me is a, a, apologizing to my children. If I yeah. have been able to self-regulate and, you know, I've taken it out on them for whatever reason, you know, I'm short with them at bedtime. It's a, a very yeah. common theme that at bedtime, my kids will come out at least 10 times because it's amazing how hungry and thirsty a toddler becomes at bedtime. And that really upsets me. I don't know why it just triggers me yeah. a, a lot of emotion of just go to sleep. And eventually yeah. I might just end up like, just please just go and stay in your room. And the next yeah. day, and then going back to them and saying, I'm really sorry that I yeah. you know, lost it with you. I, I was really tired and I shouldn't have said that. And having yeah. that there is so important for the child. Yeah. Yeah. I There's a, a book by, I think it's Philippa Perry. And yes. the, um, the book you yeah. <laughs> and and there, I think there's something really like significant in that for me was the fact that I realized a lot about myself mm. when I can stop and go, well, why is this so damn hard for me? Why is this seemingly mundane thing that it seems people seem to be able to tolerate, but to me, it seems intolerable. You know, when I start to really work through it and realize, oh, because when I was a kid, that wasn't tolerated. Exactly. So yeah. I'm trying to tolerate it for you, but it's triggering for me. I'm remembering that when I was a kid, this was a painful time. Yeah. If I did what you're doing right now, I would have some really bad things said to me or some really bad treatment. And so when I see you do it, it reminds me of what it feels like to do to, what it felt like for me. So I'm feeling the memory of my own childhood pain yeah. while I'm trying to create this new headspace to be okay in it for you. Yeah. And so our own inner child is then like very much alive and awake and going, this is not fair. And so I think, you know, what I like about how Philippa Perry, like there's this scenario where she talks about, I don't know if it was her or a client, but someone that she was working with, but there's this parent who is really disconnects from a child. I think when she's on the, the, the playground in the jungle gym and there's, I can't remember the exact detail of it, but what I do recall is how the parent then later on, when she realizes these things about herself, she talks to her child about like, when I get upset with you, when you do this, it reminds me of when I was a child. And now I'm trying to learn that actually it's okay for this to, to be the way that it is. I, it's something like that, but it's this idea that you can go back and you can actually tell your kid, this is hard for me. Because yeah. when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to do it. But I think it's okay for you to do it. And I'm trying to learn to be okay with it. I think you're exactly, like, that's exactly the same biggest message I took away from that book was exactly that. Like I would wonder why I would find certain things really tough, like bedtime, for example. Yeah. And then immediately when I read that book, I was like, this is so true. Everything that I found all particular age, she goes through particular ages. So if you struggle with a two-year-old, it's probably that when your parent, when you were two, your parent really struggled with you and how you were dealing with that. Exactly. And yeah. so it can literally bring out your inner child emotions of how you were treated and how you felt. Yeah. And that's why you can get stuck with your child and how you respond to them. And it was, it, oh, it was, yeah, it's an incredible book. I highly recommend everyone read reads um, and work on that. It can be, and I think it's it's especially, we, we sometimes think it's only about conscious memory. And I think what's really important for new parents is if we do really get stuck with things like this, is to to know that even the, 
we still retain the distress of experiences that we had, the memory of that distress and how it felt is still within us even if it's not part of our conscious memory and that can be difficult for people to understand and I think it's why um you know there's there's a lot of adoption and working it's a whole big massive area of its own like when people who were adopted become parents some of the the difficult experiences and the changes that they will go through in trying to because they will have a memory that they don't necessarily consciously recall of that time in their life and that can be a really difficult and a very sensitive transition and I've seen that with people that I've worked with so I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is it's so important to remember that or to know that even though we can't remember something consciously, it still is within our muscle memory. It's all within us as a person. It still sits there somewhere. Amazing. I, we have unpacked a lot, <laughs> a lot of topics today. Um, this has been fast. I'm sure that every new parent right now can totally relate to all of this. I do ask one question as we're ending each podcast to everyone, which is that if you could give a top tip to a new mum or a pregnant mum, what would it be? I feel like I've got too many top tips. (laughs) How do I bring it down to just one? I have many top tips, but maybe when we, when we, you know, when we look at things like what can you do to help yourself during this time in your life? You know, there's lots of take a break and try and get time to yourself. You know, don't, don't lose your identity. You know, there's lots of things that, that, you know, ask for help, take help, accept it and ask for it. And I think there's this, this thing that I really see become an issue later in people's lives. I would say to a mum, don't define yourself or your identity by your child. Because if you do that if your identity slowly slowly progressively over time we without realizing it can start to attach our child to our own identity and lose who we were because we identify who we are by the successes or the highs and the lows of our child and i say that this i say not to try not to do this because As a social worker, I've seen so many parents who, when their children are older, um, but not just as a social, as a counsellor as well, I've seen so many parents struggle with, and particularly mothers, a loss of identity later in their lives. So they have, for so many years, purely dedicated their lives to their child so they've maybe given up professions given up hobbies given up sport given whatever their passions or interests were that they gave up for the sake of trying to be present and and be the sole provider for their child or carer and being present they stop being present for themselves in a way where when their child becomes grown up they don't know how to be anymore And they can really experience a loss in their life because one day our children will not want us to be there all the time. And if we don't know how not to be there all the time, then we lose ourselves and we lose them. And sometimes being connected with our kids is also 
at times not being with them and letting us still be us because otherwise they're going to resent us. And I've seen this a lot with clients who come into therapy, maybe like early 20s, where they have been so enmeshed with their parents and particularly with mothers that the the child is also losing their own identity they don't know how to be them how to stand on their own two feet because they their mother was such a force and a presence in their life for so long that they don't make decisions based on their own authentic desires and wishes and they don't really know what they want because what they want has always been molded by what they think their mother wants for them so that extreme sort of enmeshment can really mean that after when a child becomes an adult both the parent and the child have lost themselves a bit and it can take a lot of work and a lot of struggle to refine themselves and become themselves again and so that to me I don't know if it's a long-winded way to say it but really it boils down to be with your child but also try to not enmesh yourself with your child don't label yourself based on who and what your child is and does because then you lose yourself and eventually they lose themselves too. 100%. I, I totally get what you mean there. Yeah. My parents, my parents always used to say to me that their job is to give you the wings so that you can fly and leave them. Yeah. And yeah. Like you to grow as a person, but yeah. be able to do that independently. Yeah. It's so important. And when we over-identify with our kids, if we don't stay who we are in some level, we just don't give them those wings. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of this incredible information. This is going to be definitely a really interesting listen, I think, for so many new mums. And I know that pretty much everyone will identify with at least one or two of the topics that we've spoken about today, because I think it is every new mum's journey into being a mother. Um, So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, that's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, absolutely buzzing from all of that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As we've talked about, there is so much in becoming a new mother. It's a huge adjustment to your life and it can take years to settle into. If you feel like you need support or things aren't how you thought they were going to be, then get in contact with a psychologist or a counsellor near you so that you can be supported on this journey. What would my top tip be for a new mum? Block out time for yourself and don't feel guilty about your baby spending a bit of time with someone else whilst you do it. It is as important that you meet your needs as it is to meet your baby's. So book something in for yourself this week.